The current coaching system and guru world is absolutely broken. People are not seeing the results that they need to see. And I bet if you're watching this, you've probably bought a course or a training or a coaching program and you haven't seen results and you still feel stuck. Or you're brand new and you're just being told to go out there and take action. Take action, take massive action. Just go out there and act, even though you might not know what's going on. Or maybe you're trying to figure out everything on your own for free using YouTube or podcasts or something like that. My name is Bill Allen and I flipped over a thousand houses and helped hundreds and hundreds of flippers, wholesalers, short-term rentals, landlords, and all different types of investors out there go make more money, build businesses, and find a purpose in their life. And what I'm sharing with you today is a training that I did at my event called Flip Hacking Live, and I think it's absolutely revolutionary. I hope it helps you get out there, take action, and bust through the inaction, get rid of analysis paralysis or whatever you think that you have. But this training is monumental. It is so important, and it has the secrets to why you might feel stuck. I hope you enjoy it. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity, and that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Uh, you guys ready to do some work? Yeah? Cool. You guys want to know the secret to success? So four people want to know it. Do you guys want to know it? Okay, cool. Cool. I don't think I've ever been more excited about a presentation than this one in my life. So for the last like six months, I've been working on this and just trying to think about it and think about it and think about it. Dave set it up perfectly. Like this, this OODA loop concept has just been coming back to me and back to me and it's, it's been really cool. So again, we're observe, orient, decide, and act. And we talked about how we get kind of stuck. And we talked about analysis paralysis not being a thing. We talked about just feeling kind of stuck or feeling like we, we don't know how to get past this orient. And then when you get to that orient piece, how do I take the next step? Like, uh, how do I get the situation awareness if I don't have experience yet, right? And it's, it can be a bit of a challenge to say, I'm going to go out and get that experience because that's where kind of some fear rushes in and, and, and we could get hurt, right? And so the, the little kids that, that are learning how to walk and they just fall down and they don't know and don't understand, they just keep going and going and falling down and getting up and we're encouraging them, right? And so I kind of just went into this. And this is like the next slide. It's a total eye chart. <laughs> for you guys to see, this is like really how this whole thing works. And it's almost like those cogs that I showed, those gears, right? So observe, we got these observations, we feed it forward, and all this stuff's going on in the orient phase. That's all your situational awareness, it's, it's understanding what's going on, and that feeds to the decision. And what I love in this slide right here is that decision says hypothesize. And then do you see action says test? And what did I say earlier? Hypothesize, test, pivot. This is what I do all the time. Hypothesize, test, pivot. So my decision is my hypothesis. I, and what is a hypothesis really? For all the nerds in the room, what is it? Educated guess. That means my decision is a guess. And most of us are sitting around waiting for our decision to be absolute so that our action is perfect, which is always imperfect, right? And then so my action is my test. And now I'm testing and I'm bringing it back and I'm, I'm observing what's happening again, I'm getting situation, situational awareness and I'm pivoting. And then I'm making another hypothesis. So I love this slide, I'm gonna dig a little deeper in here. 
Because I think the most important area in here, and you see all these like feedback loops and stuff like that, it's always feeding back to observations. We're observing at every phase. You don't have to wait till the end, you observe more information. You're constantly taking in information. And it's almost like taking what the brain is doing on a regular basis and being more intentional about it and actually realizing it. A lot of what we've worked on inside of, the pro, inside of our mastermind groups recently that I've been talking about is like what you're thinking and what you're saying. Like the actual words that you're saying are what you believe. And so if you're like, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, like all these, that, that's what you believe. I was here with my cousin a couple days ago. My cousin has like a huge following on TikTok and Instagram, like millions of people. She makes these videos. And she's like, she's a dentist. It, she was a dentist and, I, and I'm sitting down and we're up in, up in the suite and I was like, hey, like, so like, what are you doing? She's like, I just make silly videos on Instagram. Like, I'm gonna ride the wave in two years. I'm gonna go back to being a dentist. I was like, do you wanna go back to being a dentist? She goes, no, I don't ever wanna go back to be a dentist. I said, well, why would you say that? Why would you say that? She's like, because I think social media is a fad and it's gonna go away. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, do you actually believe that? Like, that's what you believe? And so we went through this exercise for like 20 minutes of the, of the way that she thinks and what she believes and what she says are going to become true in her life. And so this is about like rewiring that cycle and we're doing it all the time. It's about being intentional with what's going on in our head and actually like taking a second to go, did I just say that? And taking, taking a pause and slowing down a little bit. So we're gonna dive into this orient phase because I think this is really important. This is situational awareness. Dave showed you some really incredible videos, right? And you're probably not a fighter pilot. You probably have never been in a centrifuge. You probably never G-locked like that dude. I'm okay, I'm good, <laughs> you know? You have no idea what's going on after that. But you, there's some situational awareness that happens all the time. There's like, uh, anybody ever had vertigo before? Yeah, so like, uh, you know, you had inner ear infections, things like that, like up and down, you're dizzy, you're kind of like stumbling, like things like that. This is just your, your, your mind and body playing tricks on you. So situational awareness is simply how perception mirrors reality. Is what I see what's really going on? So what he was talking about in the VIP lunch, for an example, when, an air, when, when you're anticipating somebody do, does something over and over again, so what he's talking about is if me and him were, were dogfighting, and I broke left every time, and then on the fourth time, he sees me break left, and he thinks my, my pattern is gonna follow the other three times, and he's making a guess that that's happening. So his situational awareness, he's gonna make a turn, and then who knows, maybe I turn back, and he's anticipating all these things. So inside of here, there's lots of stuff that comes into play. So you have your cultural tradi traditions and backgrounds. I, we talked about this, right? Your mindset, things that have happened to you in the past, some wounds that you have, um, your experience bucket. So previous experience is probably the biggest one in situation awareness piece in this orient. And so my question to myself is like, how do you guys get more experience? Remember my helicopter, uh, my on-wing, I was telling you, he said, Bill, I, my experience box is like this, yours is really small, my job is to kind of increase it. And I, I don't believe that we increase it by sitting in this classroom. I think some of that is, is important, but the way that we experience it, how does it, how does the little kid learn to walk? They fall, right? How did, how do, when I teach my son how to ride a bike, how do you learn how to ride a bike? Yeah, he's fall down, try it, practice, and he's scared. He's crying, he skins a knee, things like that, gets back up, doesn't want to do it for a couple days, like that's hard, dad. 
And then he, there was some visualization that happened. He woke up and had a dream. And the next thing you know, he's riding his bike. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And so previous experience, new information, new information might be like his friend learned how to ride a bike. He sees somebody else do it. He's like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. Things that happen, right? And so all of this stuff is happening in the orient phase. And there's really like three levels of situational awareness that I want to take you to next. So this perception of data and these elements that are happening, right? So perception of data in the environment is really like the observe type stuff. And then comprehension saying, what does this mean? So I observed it, what does it mean to me? Can we agree that every single presentation that's come here, the person sitting next to you is hearing something slightly different than you? Do you guys agree with that? Can we all agree, say yes? If you, if you don't agree, say no. Seriously. Because what's happening is their traditional backgrounds, their culture, their upbringing, their beliefs, everything is coming into what's being fed to them. And they're seeing through a different lens than you. And this is all situational awareness and the perception of what's coming at you. And so experience, problems, issues. I tried that. It didn't work. Some of you during Nathan's presentation that was just given is like, I tried a luxury flip, I lost money. It was me in the back, by the way. I lost like $70,000 on one house, $50,000 on another, and 30 on another. Those are my three higher end flips that I've done. I've lost money on every single one of them. I did a fourth and I made like 10 grand, but then they sued me two years later. I ended up buying the house back for what I sold it for. And uh, I, I then Airbnb'd it, resold it for 700K, and two weeks before it was gonna close, a hurricane hit and knocked out the whole bottom floor of it. And I'm like $300,000 in the hole on that house and I'm still waiting for my insurance money. So I pretty much lost plenty. Uh, I, lost, I got gray hair, I lost a lot of time at, at, on that house too. So I'm like oh for four and I'm sitting back there going, this doesn't work for me, right? Possibly. So my perception is very different. Any luxury house flippers in here? Anybody that's flipping higher end houses? Yeah, we're looking through a totally different lens, wouldn't you say? I'm like, oh, I, man, I might need to go to the bathroom during this presentation. This is scary stuff for me. And it's just things that happen to me. So all this stuff happens. And then a projection. Projection of future state. What do I think is going to happen next is like phase three. So now we've got these three phases. I'm observing. Oh, man, they should show you my next slide. Sorry about that. That wasn't me. But I'm taking ownership. I probably did something wrong. Probably did something wrong. Uh, perception, comprehension, projection. So these are the three phases in the decision and action uh, is next. So this is all that's going on in our brain in literally like milliseconds, this stuff is happening. It's happening on a regular basis. It's happening right now. There's lots of decisions. Remember, 20,000 decisions. So where I got to in all this, I started studying this for the last like six months and where I got was we all have some level of fear to take action. So this presentation is specifically designed to say, how can you actually take massive action when somebody's like, go take massive action? Like, how does it work? How do we do it? So we have this fear. There's some fear that happens of something. I don't know, of the unknown, of, you know, it didn't work last time, of other people's, are, what are other people gonna think about us? All these things start creeping in, right? Would you agree that there's some level of fear that we all have on either a regular basis or definitely in business and, and real estate and all that stuff? Do you guys have some fear? Is there some fear? Is anybody completely fearless? Raise your hand if you're completely fearless. Okay. So inside of this fear, where I got to is this is what everybody's telling you right now. This is what everybody's telling you, right? Do you agree with that? It's like turn fear into action. Use the fear as fuel. Turn it into action. It's like be, take that fear and turn it into fuel. 
And this is, at every seminar I am at, at every conference, it's like this, turn it into fuel and just go. And I was like, okay, like for me, I've, I've, I've been able to do a lot of that. And I, sometimes I don't understand why people get stuck in some areas. I, I showed you my, my track record, I showed you success, I showed you that stuff, and I was like, what's going on? Like, why do some people just run into fear, into, into the unknown, why do they run, and why do others stay back here? Who's the person that runs into risk? Who's the person that runs into fear, runs into the unknown, is comfortable with that right now? Raise your hand. It's okay, raise your hand. Do you always do it? You probably do. We don't necessarily always do it. So I was like, okay, well, when do we and when don't we? So I went a little deeper, okay? So now we got these 20,000 decisions. This is a slide I showed you yesterday. 20,000 decisions, and system one is this instinctual system. It's the one that's unconscious and fast. We, we don't even think about it. We're just going. And I don't think it always was like that. Like stuff gets moved over there, right? Stuff that was hard one day becomes easy. The reason why, like, you're, okay, let's use driving as an example. Most of us are driving. I don't know, there's probably 20 kids in here that can't drive, but most of us drive. When you first started driving, do you think you could, like, ladies, do you think you could talk on the phone and do your makeup and drive at the same time when you first started driving? First day. Is that a yes or a no? The giggles, I'm not sure. Is it, is it your husbands that are elbowing you, making you laugh? I'm, what's happening? Like, could you do it or not the first day? Can you do it now? Okay. Now that we all agree to that, so I won't even bring like all the other stuff that you guys are like, we're doing is like, you know, we're, we're thinking about where we're gonna eat, we're doing all this stuff, we're, you know, we're brainstorming, we're daydreaming, we're like micro napping, like so all this stuff's happening, we're driving a car. But in the beginning, you had to literally think, I gotta put my foot on the gas and then I have to move it to the brake, the, sa the same foot. Like, why aren't I using two feet? Like, you literally had to do that. And you had, your parents had to tell you, look in the rearview mirror, check your, check your left and right, like, turn on your blinker, do all that stuff. Like, you know when you had to, like, like actually figure out where the windshield wiper was and, like, look at it to turn it? And now it's just like, you're, like, turning stuff on and turning stuff off. So this stuff gets moved over, right? It becomes this unconscious thing based on repetition and experience and your experience box growing. And so what I think happens is the people who can run into, uh, into fear, they are moving this from rational thinking to instinctual thinking over time. They're just moving it over like, okay, solve that, solve that, move it over, solve that, move it over. And so this take effort, slow, logical, lazy type thinking is a new stuff that's, that's not experience. And so that's where some of you are in a new area where we're in that 5%. And our goal is to get through that 5% as fast as possible and move it over. Because, okay, let's use real estate as an example. Who's like, I can underwrite a deal in like three minutes now. I know it's a deal or it's not a deal. Raise your hand. Okay, who's like, I don't know how to run the numbers. Like I, the numbers, I, I don't know what my offer needs to be, all that stuff. It's okay. That's in the 5%. Like it's a perfect example of that. You do 100 deals, 1,000 deals, like you do the first one, the second one becomes easier, the third one, the 10th one, the 100th one, and then you're like, okay, I can do it in my sleep. Okay, those of you that raise your hand, you can run your numbers in five seconds. What about an apartment building that's 350 units, that's gonna be $25 million? Can you do that in three seconds? Do you feel comfortable doing that? Raise your hand. Okay, couple, it's new. It's new to you guys. And so we take it, it's in the 5%, move it over. So now, 
what I'm thinking is there's like, next place I went to is to the brain, to this piece of the brain. Like the brain is unbelievable. I started studying that over the last six months and it's like, okay, how do we move this over? So I started thinking all the people that are seeing success and all the people that have these like very difficult things in the 95%, their brain is wired differently than the people that are stuck. Okay, so they have some sort of, okay, any computer programmers in here? Who's a computer programmer? Some of you guys? So anybody, anybody own a computer? Raise your hand if you own a computer. Okay, so these three guys made it and you guys own it. So it, when you're writing these kind of like computer codes, the computer runs off of a program, right? And our brain is like a giant computer. It's a supercomputer. Our brain is an absolute supercomputer. Can we agree? Say yes. Okay, so if we have a supercomputer for a brain, now it's, there's programs that are running in the background. And once we have these programs, you can't take the program out of the brain. So I'm like, okay, there's people like this that have these programs installed. And I don't believe that they were like pre-installed. I believe they were trained into the brain. Do you guys agree with that? Okay, so if we can all agree with that, that they're trained into the brain. Now I'm like, who gave that training and where'd they get that training? And so that was my next step. And I'm like, okay, if they have the training and, and, it's, and we can agree that it's probably trained in there, how can we train it into everyone? And if that can happen, then we all have this cycle and this, this computer program that we can just download over time to be able to move that stuff over faster. Because our whole goal is to move the stuff from 5% to 95% because your brain just wants to save energy. And if you can train it to go on autopilot on hard stuff that is for you now, you'll see success way faster. So it's like the next step. I was like, okay, how do, we, how do we retrain it? And so what I believe is that fear is synonymous to risk. This was the next hypothesis that I had. So what do you guys think about that? How does that make you feel? Do you believe that fear is synonymous to risk? And synonymous, synonymous means the same. Yes, any no's or any, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if I believe that yet. Okay, a couple, a couple that are like unsure or don't believe it. A couple that are like, no, probably not. Well, here, let me give you my reasoning and my discussion around it. So if we lump in giant, like fear, overall, fear is the problem. It's so broad that like, I'm like, okay, what are we afraid of? So I went to real estate and you guys, like we're probably afraid of losing money. New investors, are you afraid to jump in because you're afraid to lose money? Okay, why are you afraid to lose money? Because you don't know what's going on. These guys, so are you at risk of losing money? So there's some sort of risk that you see. And listen, I believe that this risk, most of it is unconscious, subconscious risk that is, that is in there that's like hiding from you that you are probably not agreeing that it's risk. Because here's what I went through. I went through losing money. I went through losing, like quitting your job. I went through hiring that first employee hiring that next employee, putting more money into marketing, scaling, all these things that are, like, seem like risk. Running a business, to most people on the outside, seems risky. And if you've never done it before, ever, all your friends are gonna say it's risky. And so I believe that fear is synonymous to risk. And I think a lot of it, because I've talked to some people, and they're like, I don't feel like it's risky. I'm like, well, why aren't you doing it? Well, I, I'm afraid of this and this and this, and I was like, that's all risk. Those are all risk sentences. They're all risk sentences just framed a different way. So now if we can all agree, or at least most of us agree, 99%, this is my next hypothesis, that fear is synonymous to risk, 
then I can move to my next step. My next step was, who has this computer program installed in their brain right now? And so you raise your hand, <laughs> good. What, 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 do you, what did you do before this, before real estate? What did you do? Insurance, Insurance before this? You, you were like a, like a uh, underwriter for insurance or salesperson? Retail insurance, Retail insurance agent, okay. Did you like analyze risk? Were you like an actuarial scientist or were you like a, okay, so you analyze risk, okay. So where I went in my mind was, I feel like I have this computer program installed in my brain. And I was like, I was really successful along my journey. Where did that come from? Where was it installed? Where did it get trained in? Like, what was the download? And then I was like, military. So I studied all these military people. That's what I did two years ago. It was like all military people. I was like, military people are it. I'm gonna do these veterans events. And, and, and then I saw Devin come in and Devin was a Green Beret. And th these are like high risk military people. And then I saw Adam Whitney become successful really fast. But then I started seeing other people. So I started seeing people like Navy SEALs, these guys, very high risk professions. I started looking at uh, nurses. We had nurses come into our programs and absolutely crush it. Like do really, really well, really fast. I saw, uh, this is a lawyer. <laughs> it's supposed to lighten the mood a little bit. So for those of you that don't watch movies, this is the Lincoln lawyer. So um, it's also Matthew McConaughey, you guys, okay. Uh, so I saw lawyers, lawyers, high risk profession. What I mean by a lawyer being high risk is if you go to trial and you lose, that person might be going to jail for the rest of their life or losing their life if it's a death penalty trial. High risk profession, right? I started looking at doctors. Doctors, high risk profession. Police officers, high risk profession. Firefighters, high risk profession. I saw my COO, Nate Johnson, if you were here in 2019, you saw him on stage, you probably met him. He was a police officer, very high performer, would run into anything, just says, go, let's go. Computer programs installed in his brain. And then I started studying the best of the best, the Navy helicopter pilot. <laughs> Not just that, the test pilot. And Dave, I don't know if you're still here, you said you might be, but a test pilot trumps the Top Gun pilot. In case you guys are wondering, we can talk about that later. Talk about tonight at the cocktail hour. But... Navy pilots. And I started saying like, how, that's where I feel like it got programmed into my brain, was my training in the military. And so now I'm starting to say like, if, if we can agree that fear equals risk, and there is risk that's, in, that's installed in us, and we see it, how can I figure out how to install this? So I, then I started studying those trainings, okay? So the fear comes from not being able to outweigh the, the, the risk with benefit. In the military, we only made risk decisions when the benefit outweighs the cost. This is operational risk management lesson one. When the benefit outweighs the cost, we can make a risk decision. So I have to de-risk the situation and increase the back-end benefit. And when that happens, we can say yes, the hypothesis, we go, let's go, 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 go. Even if it's not 100, zero, okay, 80, 20. 60-40 maybe, but we're constantly evaluating risk and operational risk management. And so we need to do the same thing here. And by the way, <laughs> I have no desire to put you through military training. However, I do think a lot of the principles and tactics and, and strategies are the same. They're transferable, obviously. I mean, Echelon Front's been doing it for years. Dave was talking about it today. You guys all resonate with that. So what did we do? 
Before I go there, what I started doing next, so my hypothesis now is high-risk professions have this installed in their brain, other people don't. Employees, uh, things like that. Like if, you ha if you're working a full-time job, if you have never had a high-risk profession, you've never been shot at, you've never been uh, like having to save somebody's life, you've never had to go on trial with somebody, like things like that. Like you might not have some of this and that's okay. I didn't either when I showed up to military training. They made me make my bed in hospital corners and iron my clothes and get yelled at and march and all this stuff. And that was really just to start following orders. And then it got real. Then the training started getting real. So the next thing that I did, I, say, I said, why don't I study everything that's out there? Like, what are we in my programs asking you guys to do? Take massive action, right? So here's what's out there on the planet right now, everywhere. Everyone is doing this. All coaching programs, all courses, everyone is doing this right here. Learn, ask, do. That's what we're asking you to do. Learn, here's the books, here's the courseware, here's the study work. Learn, ask, get on a coaching call with me, ask me some questions, do. Go do it. Right? Would you guys agree? This is what's, this is, this is what's out there right now for our training, for high-level real estate investment training, anything, almost everything, all coaching. All coaching, all consultants, all this. Learn, ask, do. Can we agree? Okay. Who here has bought a program or a course before? Raise your hand. Who here has bought a program or course before that has not worked or it doesn't work or it didn't work for you or you didn't, like, yeah. It's because it's this. Learn, ask, do. And you get to get stuck. Who's got stuck? Who raised your hand and got stuck? You're like, this is good stuff. I just, I just get stuck. It's, it's not you. It's the system. It's the structure. It's the way that it's been. And it's been so, so long. I'm just, and we have great testimony. We have a great product. But I was like, something's broken here. So here it is. Every coaching company, the old way. Learn, study, knowledge. We get the learning, we get the study, we get the knowledge. Maybe, maybe you get to ask some questions on a call and you get some coaching. And then they say, go take massive action now. And you got to go make offers. That's Okay, just go make offers. Like go to the house, make the calls, do, 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 and then learn more, and you just get stuck in the loop. This is the old way. And this is what it's training us to do every single day. Come back and I'll spoon feed you more information. Attach to me, mom or dad, come back to me, and here's some spoon feed coaching. Okay, go take action. Oh, that didn't taste too good, it didn't work. You got stuck, come back to me, spoon feed, go take action. So, what's missing? What do you guys think's missing? So with all of the things that I just told you, all my hypotheses, what do you think's missing in all this? Belief? Mm, okay. Too slow, so all this stuff. So here's where I went to, okay? I went back to my training and I said, what did they do to me? Ah, <laughs> somebody knows. <laughs> You guys got the cheat code. You already heard it. So, simulator. They put me in the simulator. Here's how my training was. I got a stack of books. On day one, it's like this high. Hey, Rob, are you in here? Rob, you in here? You got to sound off like a Navy man. Okay. So Rob and I were talking last night, and I was like, dude, do you remember when we went to flight school? And they just, like, dropped this stack of books, and it's, like, course rules. It, uh, um, uh, aer aeronautics or aerodynamics, it's weather, it's the natops, it's like all these manuals. It's like, here you go, go read these. 
I was like, holy smokes, like I can't read all this. Never read that much in my life. I just got the cliff notes in high school. All the old people my age laughed at that. Now you guys are just Googling it, chat GPT in it. Like, it's so easy. I had to go buy the cliff notes or, oh man, get them on microfilm. All right, so, <laughs> so they stack the books, right? And then we go to instructor-led training. And the instructor, after that, it's regurgitate the information. You study the emergencies, now tell me what they are. And then what we did as a technique is we would go do it while we're playing ping pong. Play ping pong and try to, try to speak the emergencies back because we got to fly and talk at the same time. You ever try to like drive your car, talk, like, task saturation starts shutting down a lot of your systems. And so we tried to do that. And then they put us in the simulator and like, uh, like, like that guy, I'm good. <laughs> right? That's what it's like. They give you an emergency and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And so the simulator, I remember I walked in the simulator for the first time, like I said yesterday, I think I said, no, no, I didn't. So I walk in the simulator for the first time and my instructor says, Bill, no one's ever died in the simulator. And I said, huh, that's cool. What is that environment? What kind of environment is that? Safe, low risk, zero risk environment. Maybe I could stub my toe. Maybe I could cut my finger. But I can crash the helicopter as many times as I want doing an emergency without getting hurt. Puts me in a safe environment, lets me train. Lets me train to now move the controls and speak and do the emergencies and see the gauges before I get into the high risk platform. What do police officers do? The first time you clear a room, do you think they clear, clear a room with a hot weapon and a bunch of other people with them? No, they got like a rubber pistol. And they go in and they use, learn the techniques. And then maybe they get like, no, no ammo at all. Maybe then they get blanks. And maybe then they get the, the hot rounds and weapons. SEAL, same thing. They train the same way. Simulation. What about doctors? You ever watch ER? This is where I'm getting my stuff. If there's a doctor or a nurse in the room, I'm sorry. But male, 28 years old, presents with a contusion to the leg. Go. Simulation, right? What about a lawyer? What do lawyers do? Do you know? What? Mock trials. Mock trials. You're the defense attorney. I'm the prosecutor. You get, here's half the information for you and half the information for me. Okay, let's go. We go back and forth with somebody evaluating what happens. This is how high-risk professions train before they put you out in the real world, right? This is how you install the program. So I went to the simulator and I was like, man, this is like, what if we did something like this to train? So I want to show you a couple videos right now because this is my hypothesis, right? So you guys are, this is my six-month journey. We're like, we're like four months in right now or three months in. And then I started studying, like, is there any other place that this has happened before and been tested to work? And so I found, the first one I found was a, uh, a Japanese guy who, um, who, they can't have weapons in Japan, you can't have guns in Japan. So he was doing airsoft. He was shooting airsoft for like three years. And then they flew him out to the U.S., and put him on the range with the pros. And in a second, you guys will see what happens. So this quick like one minute video to show you. Hey guys, Lucas here. And I'm here with one of our projects that we've been working on from Japan. This is Liku. The big thing uh, that I see a lot of guys talking about with Airsoft is Airsoft will never benefit shooting. While Liku here has been doing Airsoft now for years, he dry fires more than every single shooter here at the range. So what we're going to find out today is can an airsofter who's never fired a real gun, because Lee Q's from Japan where you can't own real firearms, can he get onto a real firearm, a Glock 19 and my BCM, 
and slay drills having only done airsoft. All right, let's see this. Stand by. better than all of you. <laughs> Stand by. That's a 243. So that's... 5-8. And this is his first time shooting real firearms for the past two days. He shot probably around 600 rounds pistol and then probably around the same for rifle. And he did an excellent job, far better than any of us were expecting, completely destroying us on drills, which is awesome proof that dry fire does indeed help, does indeed work. He's been using airsoft for about three years, working drills, very purposeful drills. So, so thank you very much. Thank you very much. How about that? So, proof, right? I was like, all right, well, one of those examples might just be a fluke. So who else has done something like this? Is it out there? Like, is it, is there, is it been proven? So then I found another one where, um, you guys know what drift racing is in cars? These like drift, you guys, you love drifting? Do you drift in your car? Your dad is sitting right next to you. <laughs> okay. So, so we're about to see what it is, but so the, uh, to set this up real quick, what happened in this video, this, so there was a, um, there's a simulate, like drift simulation competition where you, there's a simulator for drifting cars, for drift cars, and they go out and compete. So this guy won the drift competition in the simulator, but has never driven an actual drift car. And so what they did was they took the guy, they took the champion, and they put him with the 2021 world drift champion and put him in his car and said, Let's see if you can drive a real car. And so what they do is they drive, they, they set up and they drive together for the first one where the drift champion is driving, just showing him how it goes. And then they switch. So the, the simulator champion drives the world champion. And then the world champion gets out and he drives by himself. And then you'll see what happens next. Firstly, are you crazy? <laughs> You're about to let somebody jump in to your 2021 championship winning car. I'm a bit nervous, but on the other hand, I know that those drivers who learn from the simulator, they are very talented, so I cannot wait to see that. Oh my God, crazy. <laughs> like, okay, he's natural, you know. He was going, he was doing like, like, cruising for like three or four years, really, or even more. formation with the other guy like a real race after driving the car in four laps the guy's like it's like he's been doing it for three or four years real i mean from a simulator to a car they before that you what you didn't see it's like a 30 minute video but he's like there's no smoke real world there's no smoke in the simulator there's none of that stuff that flies into your window there's no real like see the pants feel and stuff like that it's really just a simulation on a screen 
Same as us. Like when I fly the simulator, there's no seat of the pants feel. There's, it's, a, it's not hot. They're not like talking on the radio. There's not an instructor yelling at me. All the things that happened on my first flight. Like this is insane. So it's just stack and stack of proof of lots of reasons why this works. So when we are in flight school, there's these four things that happen right here. And those four things are bookwork, knowledge and learning. Then it's instructor-led training, like I talked to you guys about, and re repetition. And then it's simulation and scenario-based learning. Scenario-based learning like mock trials, mock boards, those kind of things. We do those all the time. Where you're at a table, at a chair, and somebody asks you, like gives you a scenario. And then you start asking questions and you work through the scenario yourself. It's high-level problem solving. You learn to ask good questions. You learn how to problem solve. You learn how to make mistakes in an environment that's a classroom. But you're training. You're really training. You're not like just learning a little. You're training, like real hard training. I think that's what's missing, that step. Here's the problem that we have in the, in the coaching industry right now. They're trying to take us from knowledge to the airplane, skipping at least one step, if not two. And so I'm like, what if we can figure out how to build in that step? What if I can build a simulator? What if I can take people to flight school? That's what I know. I know flight school. And what if we can do it really fast? Like, what if we can take you through a process like that? And so scenario-based learning is effectively this, I want to teach you how to coach yourself. I want to stop spoon-feeding people, and I want to make you think. And so what it is, is this new way. Learn, study, knowledge. Step two, instructor-led training and review. Training, like real training. Step three, simulation and scenario-based training. So can you imagine if you could be in a safe environment where you could never lose money, and you're training in that environment to make decisions based on real-world scenarios that have happened? Every single scenario-based training that I've ever done in helicopter training when I, was tr when I was training to sign for the aircraft to accept responsibility for a 20 or $30 million helicopter and up to 14 people in my helicopter and a flight of three, of four of us, so three other helicopters next to me, and I'm the flight leader, they're taking me through very high-level scenarios to test my decision-making on the ground in hopes that when they sign off on me that I'll make good decision-making in the air. And that took a lot of them asking me questions and evaluating my responses. And me taking the information from them on a scenario that they have actually been through. Like they actually crashed a helicopter and now they're asking me what I would have done in that situation to evaluate how I answer. And then if I don't answer properly, there's some training involved. There's some uh, remedial training. Like, hey, you know what? Here, you could have done this. Did you think about this? And then I'm getting coached up. And we do mock boards and mock boards until my real one. And that's how it works. Simulation and scenario-based training, like real training. And then you can go make offers. So you don't feel like you're, you're going straight from knowledge to risk. This is how, this is how you can take massive action. If somebody doesn't tell you to do it, we rewire your decision-making process, teach you how to ask good questions, to make decisions for yourself so that you don't need me anymore. I can train you to the point where you're not being spoon-fed to come back. I feel like that's probably what's broken in the, in the industry, is they want to be attached. They want to keep, keep people buying, keep people coming, keep, keep pe not giving enough. But if I can train you how to decide and how to act and how to think and actually truly think for yourself and challenge the status quo and, and analyze and scrutinize and like 
go through these loops. If you haven't had a high-risk profession and don't have that background, you'll be able to do anything. That's why I have success across multiple industries because of the, what's in my brain. That's why Devin has a successful cleaning company and a successful real estate business, and he's a Green Beret. That's why Adam Whitney can open a title company and, and launch seven-figure agent and work with the agents and run blackjack and be an active duty Marine. And people are like, how do you do all that stuff? I, I don't know. Well, I think we know. I think it's a computer program that's running in the background. I think it's the fact that this stuff becomes, like decisions don't take a long time. People always say, how do you get so much done in such little time? I can't get all this stuff done. I'm like, I, I don't know. I think I just make decisions like 10 times faster than the average human being. And I also think, think through three to four consent, now I talk faster than the average human being. Think through three or four contingency plans and I just assume everything's gonna go wrong. We talked about it in VIP, I'm ready for the problem. When something goes wrong, I'm ready. I've already workshopped two or three things and directions, so I don't have to think. I've already thought about what could go wrong, and I already have a backup plan, and I can immediately jump into it. And that's what you need to do when you're at the house. That's what you need to do when the contractor shows up and is, or doesn't show up. That's what you have to do when you're going over budget. That's what you have to do when you don't have enough money in the bank account to pay the bills. That's what you have to do with your kids. That's what you have to do all around. This is a program that if we can teach you the right way, it's game-changing in all businesses, any business. So it really ultimately, truly teaches you to think like a CEO. And that's where I think, I don't have to tell you to take massive action, I have to train you to take massive action. And that's what's missing in the industry right now, and that's my hypothesis of how we can get you there and what I've been working on for six months. Would it be okay with you guys if I show you what I came up with over six months of this and what we're gonna be doing over the next year with our people. Is that okay? All right. I know that was beneficial for you and everyone there was excited about what we've built. So if you're interested in finding out what I built, just click the link below, book a call with my team and we'll break it down for you. We'll show you exactly what we built, how it will benefit you specifically and how to get you from inaction to action. So you can do more deals. You can find freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, and everything that you want in your life. We can help you book a call, no strings attached, no hard sales, none of that stuff. We'll just tell you what we built and I'm insanely excited about it and I hope to see you on the inside.